0: Welcome back to the Demonland Podcast. My name is Andy and it's been 231 days since we last tasted defeat and it's now been 20,429 days since we last started the season on six wins. The Ds had just defeated the Pies at the MCG by two points and has a man topped the Ds stat sheet with 17 disposals. It was 1965 and the Demons were the reigning premiers. Kevin Bartlett had played four of his 403 games, the Hawks had only won one flag, My Fair Lady won the Academy Award, the Beatles' Ticket to Ride was the number one song on the charts and Aussies were still using pounds, shillings and pence. Joining me tonight, a long-time Demonland poster, Man. Good evening, Man. How are you?
1: Good evening, Andy. Good evening, Demonlanders. Um, uh, up and about. I'm up and about this week. I've got the Melbourne socks on. I've got the Melbourne T-shirt on here in Shadow Binman. Um, yeah, it's uh, six and zip doesn't come around every decade, does it? <laughs> no, <laughs> saying, no. I'm pleased one of these records is actually before I was born, so <laughs> that one is just before I was born. So it's um, a long time, 1965.
0: Well, I was trying to include some uh, any current day demons players coaches officials something in there the only one that i think uh qualifies is choco uh was born in, in the i think the late 50s or something but uh yeah there was sort of no one uh, sort of contemporary to to include in there saying that this person was three months old or, or whatever so
1: they were talking about the um the statistics about how difficult we are to score um, against. The, I've, again, as I said last week, I've immersed myself in media this week, so I'll be quoting from all sorts of different um, things and not um, accurately saying where they're from. But um, the the last time we were this stingy in defence was 1965 uh, at this part of the season. I'm thinking, well, geez, that's not such a good omen, is it? <laughs> things didn't go great after after that point in time, so you know, 50, you know, 55 years later, here we are.
0: Well, if we keep winning, the the things might go back to, to sort of in the early 60s or late 50s and, and that's probably a good a better open, yeah. <laughs> particularly if we want to have a dynasty. Uh, but as was you know, we're going to take it one week at a time. But, yeah, I've been immersing myself in, in, in all of it, soaking it all up. You know, we want to take one week at a time. We want to keep the lid on it, but it's hard not to sort of live in the moment and sort of. Soak it up. I've had, um, you know, mates, acquaintances, work, workmates who know how passionate I am about the demons, and you know, they're just all, all, all calling in, checking in, seeing how I'm doing. But uh, this time for a positive reason rather than uh, yeah. rather than negative. So it's a good thing. But are are we the real deal? uh You know, I know it's uh, still early days, and you know, as I said, we're taking it one week at a time. But the media as you know we've been watching all the all the shows listening to all the all the shows as well they're starting to jump on the bagwagon for the most part they're now discarding the you can't trust melbourne tag and i for all my ingrained negativity am certainly seeing a different demon outfit to the one that i couldn't trust you know for the last couple of years or decades It, it has a different aroma uh to the demon teams of the past that uh you know would concede or would be unable to contain and Avalanche of unanswered goals from the opposition, the demon teams that couldn't perform on the big stage—you know, barring the the 2018 elimination and qualifying finals—or uh, the demon teams that wouldn't be able to reset from a slow start like a, like on the weekend to then not only catch up but to dominate. And I guess the next thing that I want to see this team do is to crush an opposition. But let's take it one week at a time. That 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 hopefully will come. Um, so, so are, are we the real deal, or is it too early to tell?
1: um I don't think it's too early to tell I I say this with a fair degree of confidence we're absolutely the real deal and um as any Melbourne fan um knows I mean you know what the real deal isn't and um we're experts in that and that makes us experts in what the real deal is and you know we've looked at the the Essendons and the Brisbans and the, the Lions and um you know more recently Richmond and the Hawthorne dynasty and you know even the Cats so you know, I think that we're jealously looked on. We've got an understanding probably more than most clubs, you know, what the real deal is and um, 100% we're the real deal. And there's been some excellent posts this week. Shout out to all the excellent posters um, in Demonland. And one caught my attention from Penance and D, um, who lives uh, nearby or next door to um, an ex St Kilda player called George Young. And they were talking about the um, the game, and and D uh, posted that he was still sort of in a daze. That uh, he's realizing now that following a series of um, that you know where he's following a um, serious team, and um, had a chat with uh, his neighbour uh, George Young, who said, "You don't win flags in April, but you know we're a really good team, and we're hard at the contest. We tackle with ferocity, defend well um, over the ground." This is what George Young was saying to and D's. Um, he, he Penitent D was saying he doesn't want to get ahead of himself, but, um, uh, George Young said, no, enjoy, enjoy this. They're going to get better. They're tough, hungry, well organized, can play, have, um, have some real star quality. And the core are now at 100 plus games. Um, and, you know, I think that, uh, George Young has had a pretty decorated career and, um, at, uh, AFL and I think at Waffle level as well. Um, played, um, State of Origin football in the first one. Uh, you know, it's, so it's pretty good. Um, You know, that someone who knows his football uh, and he's spot on, I think you couldn't describe it better. Um, I think that point about us being 100 games, you know, our core of players around that 100 game mark. uh, And then you add in the the younger players with excitement uh, is an excellent point. Um, And so, yeah, the short answer, we're the real deal.
0: Uh, It was sort of uh, uh, hard to, well, not hard to celebrate, but, uh, you know, you didn't want to, I had some Richmond people sort of around me, uh, you know, you don't want to, there's nothing we can do to dig it into them because uh, they got the perfect answer for us with their three premierships in four years. But, uh, you know, it's hard not to get excited, but they sort of were quick to sort of put us back in our boxes and say what you said before about, you know, win premierships in April. So... I'm excited but uh, still a long way to go.
1: Um, uh, and not just on that Andy on that excitement. I, I think as evidence that we're the real deal is that I'm not sure about you, but like there was tremendous excitement in the stands and Melbourne fans were up and about obviously uh, just as we are and um, but it, it felt like that it was a fairly contained. You know, um, excitement, um, and that that seems to be the case with the players. I, one of the things that I was really impressed in the game is how, and and you pick this up on the replay um, more, but how um, um, settled the players looked, and they weren't celebrating goals, going bananas, and even afterwards, even after the final siren, they were exhausted. It was a hugely, you know, exhausting game of footy for them. Um, I, I thought they seemed to take it in their stride, didn't get over, um, you know, pumped um and 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 the fans seem to take it that way as well and you know i guess for me that's sort of evidence again that we're the real deal because you know maybe in previous years a win like that would be a bookmark one that you you know it was a great fantastic win um but maybe we would have over celebrated and still be celebrating rather than looking forward
0: were you disappointed in the crowd? I was a little shocked when I saw 56,000. I know at the time that uh, before the game, the next day, that was the biggest crowd uh, uh, this year uh, for the AFL. But um, I was sort of expecting a lot more, definitely high 60s, maybe low 70s, particularly when they went to the 85% capacity. I thought I was a little disappointed with the end number, and I wonder if the weather kept people away or COVID still—that's you know scepter of COVID hanging over maybe the older generation. Um, or were Richmond supporters staying away? I don't know.
1: I, I look—I've I, said at the after the Frio game, I think it's a furphy. I mean. Like I, I, one of my favourite threads that come up now on Demonland are the um, what are they saying at Punt Road thread this week. Where, I'm not sure what, you know, what are they saying at Arden Street will be next week or is next week already And or Linton Street. Um, and there was a quote from someone on Big Footy knocking the crowd you know, a Tigers fan knocking yeah, their crowd. It's like, that. big deal. It's like.
0: Well, he was knocking the. He said that Melbourne supporters were staying away and that, that it was all Richmond. But I thought there were. Sound, I don't know. Maybe because they weren't in front later in the game, You didn't hear that, the roar. But I thought our roar was uh, quite loud. Um,
1: yeah. And a bit of a reality check. They've got 100,000, famously, you know, they hang their hat on it. They've got 100,000 members. I mean, like the general admission was there for any number of they all of them could have gone if they wanted just about so you know give me a spell I mean look I think it's much ado about nothing to be honest you know I wouldn't have cared if there's 40,000. It was a fantastic atmosphere. Um, it was actually really easy to get in um, I had no no dramas getting in and um, or, or out for that matter um, I thought it was you know well managed had great seats um, that were just uh, through uh, general admission members. Uh, tickets better seats than i've ever had for that that game in the past so um yeah to be honest i could care less what the crowd was
0: uh yeah i'll bank bank the win in front of no one um uh, so (laughs) like three i did
1: against north uh, um, at that same round
0: yeah um Let's talk about uh, the game. Uh, Since I've got our master Demonland strategist all to myself tonight, uh, I'll get your thoughts on on what happened in the opening 10 to 15 minutes of the game, you know, that saw Richmond get the jump on us out of the box where we found ourselves 15 points down, perhaps in line for a right royal spanking by the reigning premiers. Uh, I would normally ask you if you were as worried as I was at this stage, but I know that you, unlike me, are a glass half full Demon supporter. And I'm not going to lie, I was shitting myself. So, what what happened at the beginning? How, how did we what did we do um, to write the ship and then you know sort of go on and put our foot on their throat?
1: Uh, it's interesting because we had a similar discussion. I think it was at uh, the Giants game. I don't think we did anything different, and I think that sort of again speaks to the being the real deal. Is uh, it was pretty remarkable. Some of the numbers after 13 minutes, it was 11 inside 50s to one. Um, ended up being. I think 25 or something at the end of that quarter to 12 or, or some such number. Um, but 11 to one. Um, but you know, I don't think we did any, we didn't make any tactical changes to arrest that momentum. We might talk a little bit later about, you know, some of the adjustments we made to our game to, um, uh, to stymie their, their, the way they like to play. Um, But I think that we stuck to our game plan and that's the whole thing about having a system that everyone has bought into. Um, They just went back to the basics. Um, I heard track on 360 tonight talk about, you know, they they had a mark, they settled. Um, You know, I feel like in that first 15 minutes, 10 to 15 minutes of that game, we were a little bit nervous. We made a couple of um, uh, errors that we haven't previously, a couple of fumbles. I think Rivers fumbled one and turned it over. Um, and unusually, um, Rivers, uh, sorry, uh, May got taken under the ball by um, my least favourite player in the league now, um, uh, Lynch. Um, and that, sort of they got a goal out of the back, that, you know, that's going to happen maybe five times more for the rest of the season. One of those goals was a complete one out of uh, Rewild's bum, you know, the, the goal that he kicked off the ground. We we're well set up for that. Um, but you know they definitely brought the pressure, didn't they? And they um, um, they played that that very much that Richmond game plan of getting it forward at all costs, forward half um, pressure, um, you know, tra- trying to trap it in that forward half. I actually think that, and I said it at, during the game, the impressive thing about Melbourne was that they only scored two three in that first fifteen minutes. Um, that was. Uh, Goody said afterwards is that they knew they were going to come at us at some point, it just happened to be in the first five or six minutes of the game and they weathered that storm Um, and I think that's been, we've already talked about it, haven't we, that's been one of the key themes for this season is how well um, the players in a quarter have responded to pressure. Um, so for me, the key was that the back six held up. They only scored two, three, um, and one of them was a complete lucky goal. Um, it wasn't as if they were destroying us, and I think our ability to, to have the ball come at us in that back half and you know be confident that we can absorb pressure um, um, was terrific. And I, I thought the, the, the goal that we got, our first goal, Really showed where we're at at the moment as a footy, as a team, how confident they are. Because um, I'm thinking, I can't recall who crossed it. You might remember who crossed it into Nibbler, who sidestepped someone and went into the corridor. Um, oh, sorry, initially Jackson marked it, so you know, marked it, and he went across and uh, ended up in Salem's hand. Who you know it was cool as ice to slot that from outside fifty, uh, and then we we're away. Um, so suddenly, after 15 minutes of domination. They're only nine points up, um, and so you know if any other team had that level of pressure applied to them, um, they would have been four or five goals down at that point. And Justice and Kilda were when when they turned up the wick against um, the Saints the previous week. Um, you know they put them they put a space on them in fifteen minutes, didn't they? They killed them. They ended up winning by eighty four points in that match. Um, so, I, I think the answer is that we didn't do anything different. We absorbed the pressure. Our back six just stood up incredibly. Um, and in fact, after that point, they struggled to score for the rest of the match.
0: Yeah, yeah, uh, absolutely. Um, but, you know, what's, what's changed? Uh, there's a thread currently on Dima Land asking, you know, what's changed? Uh, Dima Land posted, leave it to Diva. Pose the question, why are so many players improving? Why have Salem, T-Mac, Lever, Track A&B, Hunt, Spargo, Tomlinson and and Gascon to new levels and and all together at the same time? It's a wonderful thing, but what's been the difference? And I was a little surprised you hadn't contributed to this thread. You're usually all over that type of analysis. So what's changed from the mindset? We've seen a lot of the footy shows sort of and the players coming out and saying they're playing for each other as a team. Um, is that, is that what it is? Is it just this, this changed mindset? Is it the, you know, that they've matured Uh, you mentioned before the, they've played a lot more games together now. Um, we've got a lot of guys hitting that hundred game mark. Um, what is it?
1: Yeah, I, I, part of the reason I hadn't looked in that thread is that sort of <laughs> I was protecting myself from being frustrated, so I should actually have a look and um, I might be wrong there. But, I, you know, I think um, it's incremental um, and I, I might touch on it later, but, um, the you know, my frustration with the media and the way they cover the game, particularly around the systems and the tactics, but... Um, Unusually, there's some really excellent questions in the both Goodies Presser and Hardwick's Presser this week. Uh, it seemed a, a voice I hadn't heard before, a young fella, um, and he made the point to Goodwin that, or in fact, asked about: is this something new, or is this from you know? It was last year. Was did this process start last year? And um, Goodwin agreed, said, "Yeah, that's right. It did." You know, despite leaving aside the the horror of cans. Um, That There were a lot of positives last year. A lot of this was building up. And, you know, I would go back to, um, you know, right back to 2017, 2018. um, And then even in 2019 with a horrible year, you know, we all of that is building towards where we are now. So what's changed, it sort of implies that suddenly a penny's dropped and we've, you know, there's been some magic bullet. Um, And and I just think that's a little bit sort of... um, You know, it's a little bit black and white. It's changed over time incrementally. He's got buy-in, but if you know, if I was to say, what are the key things? um, You know, I'll ask you, Andy. What what are the key words that players keep repeating when they're interviewed? They, you know, every player is repeating these key phrases. What what are the words that you're hearing all the time?
0: Um, uh, (laughs) I'm hearing stuff they're buying in of going back to stuff like you know the playing the melbourne brand of thing but i don't know what what in particular are you
1: hearing well things like the words like trust um leadership um um connectedness keeps getting mentioned like Mm -hmm. multiple players are saying connected selfless selflessness comes up all the time both um, our players in when, when they're being interviewed, uh, and the media are making those comments. You know, the my question about why the, the keywords is that you know I've noticed with Richmond they repeat key phrases and they're obvious become maxims within the in the club, um, and they become true through repetition almost, um, like um, you know the the sort of Burgess repetition about you will be the fittest team in the league. That you know part of it is that it moves from Sort of thinking about it to believing it, um, and we are just about the fittest in the in the league. But what's critical is that the players believe that. Um, I think that for me the key things is that, that selflessness, and it's been talked a bit about uh, a bit. Tomlinson mentioned specifically talked about um, the increased defensive pressure from Oliver this year, and I've really noticed that. I've talked about it at the beginning of the season that that's an area that he really has to lift to go up to that you know really true elite level, and and I think he has. Uh, he was awesome. His tackling on the weekend. Um, you know I think the other thing that can't be underestimated is exactly the point that George Young made about having a core of players who have played 100 games of footy it's not just physically able to um, stand up to the rigors of AFL footy it's also maturity isn't it you get someone like track who's you know, he's gone up a level in both his ability but as much as anything, his maturity. So you've got that young group who are now coming up together um, and they're, enjo- um, you know, enjoying each other's company. Great Viney makes a great point about just how much they seem to love playing footy together. Um, you showed that on the – I like the video on Demon Land each week. The, uh, you can put it on high rotation on my uh, screensaver, the um, track goal. Um, and I was watching the replay today, the track goal, first goal of the last quarter, I think it was. Um, afterwards, him and Oliver did a big jump in the air, chest bump. Yeah, they did that a lot. <laughs> <laughs> and they both just radiated happiness. And in the background, if you look at the, the replay, it's quite funny. In the background, Gorn sort of looking at them both with a wry grin on his face and a bit of a smile. But then directly afterwards, he says something to Oliver um, and I'm presuming he said look you know head in the game now this is not over um, so in that moment you know there' some of the things have changed you've got Oliver's just um, uh, resigned track surely he's going to resign you've got the leader who's stepping in just to say look this is no worries fellas but let's just keep a you know lid on it we've still got a quarter to play um, they're loving playing together that's that connectedness thing Um You know, but I think it's that sort of maturity. This doesn't. It didn't happen overnight. This goes back to 2017 and the loss against Collingwood. All of those things. 2018, getting ahead of ourselves. uh, 2019, dealing with all the injuries and the, um,
0: you know, and all the lever. Yeah, exactly. You know, this is not
1: a. Yeah, this is not a -A 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 suddenly like a magic bullet's happened. No, it's not Uze; He's probably played a huge role. It's not Williams. He's played a, a role. But it's McCartney and it's, you know, Ruse. This is, you know, this is why it takes so long to get to where, uh, to be the real deal, as we we're talking about. You don't get to be a real deal overnight, as Carlton is discovering and Collingwood
0: And St Kilda, because they thought they had, uh, you know, had one fantastic trade season where they bought in five sort of well, high profile for a, for a trade and and look what's happened wheels have almost fallen off
1: well exactly i mean saints the players they brought in are players to take them to a flag aren't they? when you go to that level and you, you bring in you know, like hannahbury and a uh, um uh, brad hill and uh you know and um carlisle and you know they used up a lot of That'd their right, yeah i mean so that's right so you know they're a long way away and just think last year, they made the finals and what, they won their first final last year, didn't they? Yeah. Uh, and I go back to, you know, Goodwin for all, you know, I don't think he's the most engaging media performer and so he's an easy target in some respects because of that. But I go back to those comments about right from the beginning of his tenure, he talked about wanting to build a side that played well in finals, not made finals, won finals but and over multiple years and we're at the start of that period now, I think.
0: Let's hope so. Um, Well, let's talk some individual efforts from the game. Uh, We'll we'll start with the three Cs, Christian, Salem and Petraka and Clayton Oliver, and we'll we'll start it off with Salem on the back of re-signing for a further five years. Uh, He's come out straight after signing he's had yet another stellar game probably unlucky not to be awarded uh, the inaugural checker hughes medal it's racked up 39 disposals six contested at 80% efficiency seven marks nine intercepts a lovely on the run goal from outside 50 that put us on the scoreboard got things kick-started uh, he would have probably had another if T Mac wasn't in the goal square later on in the game. Uh, also, eight, eight rebound, fifty seven hundred and eighty-six meters gained, uh, he, and he really kept us in touch early on in the game. He was sensational. Um, probably amazing, best for one of the best first halves I've seen from a Melbourne, certainly from him, and um, definitely from a Melbourne player.
1: Um, he was awesome, wasn't he? Did you know it was his career high possessions? Um, what a night to do that! Uh, and they weren't, you know. They often, in the past, if Salem got up around the 30 mark, I think his previous high was 32, they said in the commentary. Um, what did you get? What? How many possessions did you say he got?
0: 39. 39.
1: Um, you know, if if he'd got 39 two years ago, half of them would have been dinky little kicks, you know, back and forth across the half-back line. Um, but he's kicked, he, this year he's been such a more damaging player and he, he was by – I thought he was um, the best player on the ground because – um, he, he Patraka played awesome, and we'll talk about him, no doubt. But Salem was so important early on, um, you know, right from that first goal um, that he kicked, and he set up that goal to um, T Mac, I think, in the was it the last quarter? Um, and you know, he he's just so cool under pressure. But now, though, his disposals are uh, damaging; they're not, you know, twenty-five meter kicks sort of left and right and, um, you know, like the sort of kicks that Mitchell get for Hawthorne, for instance. Um, he, he was phenomenal and he's got fit. He's got really strong. Um, I, I said a few weeks ago he had a really horrible run with his, uh, I always, I think it was a thyroid, yeah. That's, so that really disrupted at least two of his seasons. but he's finally really fit uh, and he seems a sort of durable build and, um, um, and another sort of leader. I mean, uh, how many games has he played, you reckon?
0: And not off the top of He'd Be head up head. around
1: eighty, wouldn't it? Eighty five or something. So you know he's coming into that you know part of his career where he's no longer um, you know a, a young fella in that sense. He's a he's a leader at the um, team, and they're using him in a really clever way. I think in the in the way that. Um, that they use Caleb Daniels at uh, uh, the dogs, and um, it, it sort of he's more than just a halfback flanker in terms of he's not just a defensive halfback flanker, he's a weapon, isn't he?
0: 112 games, 112, and yes, he and is there you go, certainly a weapon. Um, was he stiff to not win the uh, the medal?
1: Yeah, I reckon. I, I, I'm i hopeless at those, um, at working out. That's why I never vote on Demon Land because I'm never, yeah, I'm never sure who who i think is the best but he was i thought he was consistent right through every quarter uh, and went in that period when we did need someone to balance up he was really cool under pressure in that uh, first quarter um so yeah i would have given it to him
0: it's possible he did win it yeah. uh, though the woman who was giving the award had no idea i mean she had one job i that still baffles me i, I can't believe you know, some, no offence to her, but if you were going out to present, do your only job for the night, you would think you would have asked just before, well, who who am I giving this to?
1: Yeah, um, um, yeah I'm not quite so, I'm uh, a bit more forgiving. There. I felt for
0: her. No, I felt it, absolutely I felt for her, but uh, I don't know who threw her under the bus by not uh, whispering in her ear before she went out. Uh, so it could have been Christian because I think maybe someone there said, Christian, and yeah. Uh, she just said Petrarchus. So yeah. maybe the other Christian was uh, was left out. Uh, but we will talk about the other Christian, uh, uh, Petrarchus, having a breakout season from his 2020 breakout season. Uh, it just gets better and better. He's a bull in every contest. He often produces something out of nothing. And this was particularly evident with the second goal that we scored in the third quarter. Uh, Langdon's kick to him uh, down on the far wing from where I was sitting and for where the TV. Um, he had. Uh, Yeah, fell short. He had Tiger players all around him. He bumps into Viney whilst attempting to pick up the ball cleanly off a wet deck. He somehow does. He's able to dish off a perfect handball with perfect vision to T-Mac who gets it to Fritch and he kicks truly. Uh, Every week's track stats include a heap of score involvements and and this week is no exception. He's been involved in 11 this week, 38 possessions, 17 contested, 10 clearances, 7 tackles, 720 metres gained, that one fantastic goal that you spoke about before just brought the house down. It was a complete performance. And I, you know, we said Salem was unlucky not to get the check of his medal, but uh, boy, if you're going to get snubbed to then, well, it's not really a snubbing by a game like the one track out, particularly under the weight of, of pressure from the media in the lead up to the game, which, you know, they're pitting him against uh, a guy like dusty. who has got a fantastic resume as we know. Um, so he had that pressure going in, but just, Tracks just going from strength to strength
1: yeah and he's now arrived hasn't he he's like with this body of work this season um he's really gone to that a a grade he's a monty for all australian oliver's a monty for all australian gorn's a monty for all australian salem will be pushing for all australian with his work you reckon that um with the numbers that um uh, Langdon's picking up meters gained, and just he's the way he plays. He must be a chance for all Australian as well. Um, and you've got May and Lever, who at least will be pressing. Um, they've got some pretty good players ahead of them, and Andrews in particular, I guess. Um, but yeah, he 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 just went beast mode, didn't he? And he's. Uh, I think I said it last week, they're all brilliant now um, across the league, but Dee's are particularly good at it at, um, releasing the ball when not getting pinged um, when they're tackled, like yeah, getting a handball or a kick. He's just next level at it. Like he, I, I'd love to see his stats on how few times he gets done for holding the ball or dropping the ball or, or, or whatever. Uh, yeah, ball. they
0: I noticed sort of what they do... Um... And I don't know if this has always been done, because I, I think I probably got pinged uh, for not doing this, but they hold their arms up and the ball yeah. out. And they can't get their arms pinned. And uh, I don't know if they've always been doing that or I'm just noticing it more now, but they they don't often get tackled and are able to at least get a handball out.
1: They've, they've um, been doing that for a, um, a few seasons. I, I reckon back to... I reckon 2017 maybe we had a um, one of the rugby coaches come down um, and they've been doing that since but they've really gone up a level and I noticed Salem's been doing it really well for a couple of years but um, uh, Oliver's really good at it as well. His sort of first instinct is to go high when he's handballed um, and they, they get it but track is just so strong that... He'll get a kick on the ball. In fact, he did at one point where he forced it forward. where It looked like all the world he was going to um, get uh, have to release, you know, get pinged. Um, and I had a fellow behind me, a Richmond fan, who the whole match, the first half of the match, he was, ball, ball. <laughs> and we kept on getting the the kick away. And at one point I said, listen, you know, you really have to to understand the rules here. If they kick it or handball that it can't be dropping the ball. Uh, he, he was pretty quiet in the second half, but... <laughs>
0: Well, sometimes it's not dropping the ball when they actually drop That's it. Right. So I can understand why he's confused. Yeah, um, but uh, the the one guy who doesn't uh, sort of do that is is Viney, and he just keeps the ball under his arm and just yeah. the bullet. But
1: even him, I mean, he was he he didn't get pinged. I'd, I'd, that'd be a really yeah. interesting stat to look at how. Um, if you could get hold of such a step, there's no, no doubt it's out, out there, but you know, if it's all but locked no up pings. under the monopolistic rules of, of the AFL. Um, you know, I, we just don't get pinged for holding the ball. Um, and when we do, it's unfair. <laughs> so, um,
0: just, I think we've got a plus, plus 22 different free kick differential this year, so I'm happy right. about that.
1: Yeah, um, just before we move on to, to the next player, Andy, there's some good points in the chat room about what the the it. differences and changes are this year. And Lazy makes a really good point that um, our ability to lock the ball in our forward 50 is has been huge this year. And I, and I totally agree. I think that's actually the biggest difference um, from last year uh, in terms of um, our ability score. I think uh, we're number one in, in trapping and in our forward half. Richmond are number three. We've taken that model from them and um, made it a key part of our game, but now we've got... Um, the players, not just the obvious ones, Niblo and Cosie and um, uh, Spargo, who who are awesome with their pressure and tackling, but it's you know that's the point about that all team defensive pressure. You've got your mids uh, um, tackling in there, and you've got your even you've got your halfback flankers uh, pushing up into the forward line to trap the ball in, and, and that's been massive for us. Um, we we the teams are really struggling to get it out. Of our um, outside our 50 or even beyond the sort of wing, um, and you know I think that's definitely been a huge uh, change for us.
0: If anyone who's in the chat room or listening live wants to uh, give us a call, zero three nine zero one six three triple six. That's zero three nine zero one six three triple six. Give us a call. Well, well you can talk discuss anything we've been talking about uh, or if you want to join the chat room demonland.com slash podcast and um yeah uh, join us in the chat um we'll, we'll uh, make a good point and we'll read it out um yeah we'll move on to uh the next c clayton oliver we'll just quickly go over him because uh you know we've got more a lot of players we want to praise, but how can you ignore thirty six possessions with seventeen contested? It keeps him in the number one spot for total contested possessions for the year. He's eleven ahead of uh, Rory Laird. He's averaging sixteen point five contested possessions this year, which is mammoth. He's averaging thirty two point five disposals, um, fourteen, and he's got uh yeah, what was the six point three clearances, five point three tackles. Um eight point uh oh his contested possessions is fourteen point two, which is a career high. Um and the eight point two score uh involvements, it's fifth in the comp. Uh just just gone up a level as well this year. Uh the only criticism I have on his game is his set shot kicking. He missed a couple of, in the GWS game. He missed a one that really would have loved him to nail after he got that, that free kick in the in the third or in the last, uh, but it's not really a criticism, but i just love him to nail those set shots.
1: Yeah, and I think you make a really good point that he's gone up a level and sort of you know, going back to that question of what's changed is again, you know, it's incremental, but key things are you've got we've got a really good team we've got players who now um are doing the defensive work but you know we've got some stars in that team who have all gone up a level um every single one of them um viney is you know he i think he's a really solid player who's gone up a level and and he's pushing in a grade particularly around pressure on the ball oliver was a great but he's moving up into that you know, up into the really high elite level um, track. We've talked about, um, you know, Gorn has gone up a level, um, you know, even TMAC obviously has gone up about six levels. Um, so it may Lever you know, all of our best players have gone up level, um, but I think that, uh, as uh, a few, couple of people point out in the chat room, the um, you know everyone's playing their role now. Um, so you know, why little points that out that it's sort of everyone's working hard. Um, and I think what they often say about Richmond, it's that you know it's the twelve to twenty two players that make the difference between a, to a really good team and a great team, and you know it's all of those players that we talked about last week—the Spargos, the Fritters, the ones who are... Maybe he's up in the top 10, I'm sure. But, um, you know, everyone's bringing that effort. Everyone's playing their role. Everyone's, um, you know, backing up week after week. Um, so, you know, when you get your best players who are already stars going up a level and doing all the, you know, the right things defensively and, and um, you know, all the team things and you're getting those other players like Nibbler and and moving up a level, then you, you, you become a serious footy team, don't you?
0: Yeah, you do. Um, let's uh talk about our defense. Uh the three headed dragon. I, I saw that description of our back line in one of the Sunday papers. I think it's a very apt description of our miserly defense. They continue to be the hardest team to score against. Uh what was the stat? Uh went back to nineteen sixty-five. Uh it's the best ever, thirty percent or something at times that it comes in
2: That's opposition
0: storm, yeah, And um that's a record. Um, I, don't, I guess that's in our favour. Um, and, and uh, you know, having, having May back in the team just adds fire to that arsenal. Lever put his hand up, for B, I thought, for BOG honours in this game as well. His intercept marking was just superb. He spent 100% time on the ground, had 18 disposals, 11 contested, seven marks of which six were intercept marks and four were contested. You know, having May and Tomlinson doing the grunt work on the monster forwards have just allowed Lever to flourish. We've mentioned this in the past few weeks, uh, in you know, to flourish in this role that um, you know we paid a lot in terms of dollars and picks, and we're reaping the dividends big time uh, from for going hard at him. And you know, a lot of question marks on on that uh, on that move. Uh, it's paid off in spades.
1: Totally, totally, and I mean, you know, you mentioned all the big guns and. You know, it's interesting. Quite a few commentators are now um, noting the importance of Tomlinson, and it was really evident, wasn't it? Because he played um, on, he played a fair chunk of time on Rewald. He was, I am pretty sure, most of the game on Rewald, perhaps, and then that allowed
0: he rotated a little bit around, um, but yeah, yeah,
1: freed up and um, and May had Lynch and just smashed Lynch, except for the couple of times that Lynch got him underneath the ball. Um, allowing Lever just to be such a weapon. Um, and I guess the other big change for us sort of statistically in game plan that's been evident this year is how um, much of our scoring comes from the half-back line um, and how critical intercept marks are to that uh, and in particular Lever. Uh, and you could see it on the weekend, and it was really fascinating sitting up in the Ponsford, looking down the ground at those two teams, the way they play. Um, you know, Richmond love to get it forward of of the contest, and, not, and they're not really fussed how they they get it forward. Um, you know, they'll back themselves in to win those one on one contests. The problem for them is that our defensive structure is so, and they kept on saying it in the commentary when I watched the replay the next day, is our setup behind the ball. We the, it's always crowded. So it's they're not getting one-on-ones ahead of the ball. They're getting twos and threes on one. Um, and and I think there's there's a bit of a risk in just focusing on Tomlinson, Lever, and um, May. I, I think you've you know that whole system, and it's not just the back six. It's all it's also the wingers, um, you know, with Langdon and um, in particular uh, uh, Gus pushing back deep and helping out defensively. Yeah, did you
0: did you see you would have watched on the couch? I did, yeah, yep know that Gary Lyon played uh, of both uh, Langdon and Gus coming from from the centre ball up and coming in behind, you know, down the wing through 50 and down behind sort of coming towards yeah. the, the behind the forwards and, uh, yeah, that's just fantastic. And whoever's come up with, with that, kudos to them because it's really, really helping us out defensively. And I guess you can't – guys like Rivers, the pressure acts that he does, I didn't – you know, it's not necessarily – I didn't notice it as much When I'm at the game, but when you watch the replay and can see it up close, it's just some of the little things he does. Yep. The tackles, the second, third efforts are just fantastic.
1: Absolutely. And um, um, Artificial Wisdom points out that incredible um, spoil by Rivers that set up, um, I think, um, it set up Hunt's goal, didn't it? Well, it wasn't Hunt's goal, it was Nibblers in the end, but the incredible run down the ground by um, um, Hunt. And that basically ice the game that was game over uh, and that was incredible bit of play by uh, Rivers it was uh, he just launched at the ball um, and he's desperation I mean that's what you know when say that we weathered their storm it wasn't just that we weathered their storm from about 15 minute mark of the first quarter one of the amazing things about watching that game is after that point I never felt like we are going to lose the game of football because it was like um, we just ratcheted up the pressure, um, um, kept on going and in that second quarter our pressure and particularly our defensive pressure was so full on that they cracked um, and they, I, I felt super confident at half time. You know, I just didn't feel like they, that we had the control and I couldn't see how with our defensive unit they could get the control back. I just couldn't um, see that happening.
0: Um, uh, quickly on Michael Hibbert, he sacrificed his own rebound and running game to take care of uh Dusty. And even before Dusty went off, I didn't even know that Dusty was playing, to tell you the truth. Um, just absolutely blanketed him.
1: Yeah, he was, uh, and that was an interesting tactical move. And, um, you know, uh, kudos to Goody. There were a couple of things that were interesting in that game tactically. Um, you know, the the use of handballs, so there was a bit of talk about how often we handball um, much more than we have normally um, and wh- one of the perspectives on that was that that disrupts Richmond's, you know, Richmond want you to get it forward and then they'll eat you up on the, the pressure, but um, by handballing it forces the defenders to run At you and to create space behind them um, you know to stop because they like to do exactly what we do which is to rebound off half back flank and um, uh, intercept you know I think it's also got a bit to do with the pressure that they put on around the ball carrier that you know they Melbourne are much more focused on moving it you know with uh, some system forward we're a forward half team territory team as well but you know Richmond are happy just to get it forward under any conditions. So that was clever. And the other one was having Hibbard on, on putting him on um, um, Martin. And in the 360 vision they showed Hibbard going up the field and getting back onto Martin and it was obviously a clear role and I thought he, he did a fantastic job on him, didn't he?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, forward line shout out to TMAC. You know, he's doing everything in his powers to – keep that covered to big man spot in the forward line. Uh, he's got two boys at Casey that are kicking down the door, but 18 disposals, 10 contested, five marks, three contested, two incredibly important monster goals that increased our lead in the second quarter and the third goal in the third quarter. A T team act's not going anywhere.
1: Well, no, how could you drop him? I mean, he was – I thought he was actually super important to that game and um, he – his ability to get up the ground um, but also convert. Like the, he kicked a goal, the, both his goals um, that he kicked, would he end up with three? Yeah, right. three his first two goals were almost from the identical spot that he kicked one f- um, from Hawthorne against Hawthorne the previous week um, and the first of those goals was super important in terms of s- cementing our dominance um, and it was you know f- it came after a really good play so you know you know they're the ones that you really want to to reward the the upfield work um, and he's got such a, a neat action but then to do it again off the the second one was the free kick against um uh, for in the back in the rucking contest from pretty much the same spot. And he went back in almost the identical kick with a slight sort of curve and um, I thought he was terrific and his body language, as I've mentioned a few times, was generally you know, really good. He's marking um, really well, stretching up high and, and sort of taking it at its highest point. Um, he looks super confident and, and I reckon his pressure has been fantastic and that, to be honest, is the concern I have for both Wiedemann and Brown is that then neither, well, particularly Wiedemann last year, his pressure was appalling last year and um, Brown's not a noted forward half pressure player either. Um, So, yeah, I I think T-Mac is – I said last year, can you recall ever a player going backwards as much um, as he has? Well, now you could pretty much make a case for, have you ever seen a player go that bad and come this good? He's been super important to where we're at at the
0: moment. Uh, Sir little has said T-Mac one mark grabs confidence and, yeah, those big arms up up high taking those one one grabs – Fantastic. Um, uh, just a quick shout out to Bailey Fritsch uh, on his unexpected early return to the side after only missing one week with a broken hand. Um, you know, he didn't. Uh, the stat sheet's not a gl- as glorious as some of the other players have highlighted, but he, he's done exactly what he's in the team to do, and that's kick a couple of snags a game and, and provide that medium-sized target. So, I just thought. Yeah,
1: give that and I thought he's leg. actually that was the best defensive game I've seen him play. He was, um, his defensive pressure was excellent and he had a couple of excellent tackles. He had one where they got the free kick. It was a nonsense free kick because I thought he did, it was the perfect tackle. He sort of rolled him to the side. Uh, and he put a player sort of bounced him almost into the fence at one point. You know, just launched it at a player on the wing, on the members wing. Um, I, I thought for a fellow who's coming back with a busted hand, his defensive pressure was just first class. And um, um, he, it, you know, he, he kicked pretty well, apart from that one miss, didn't he? Yeah. And he's got yeah. he's got great hands as well.
0: Yeah, does the only negative um,
1: for him was his coif was a bit sort of mucked up yeah, by the good. rain.
0: He's grown his hair uh, long. That grew very quickly. So I'm not sure if he was wearing a wig or something, I thought he had a lot shorter hair. But uh, this is in Hair Corner. Uh, we're not here to talk <laughs> about uh, hair Um You talk about uh, forward pressure. You can't go past our, our small forward brigade. Uh, brigade. Uh, when talking about our forward line, it's very important to talk about uh, that pressure created by by those those smaller guys not only keep the ball in our forward half, but some of the other pressure that, that they apply around the ground. You often see them uh, going going sort of deep into defence, at least the half back line, and 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 causing you know causing some pressure acts. Uh, Cozy Nibbler and Spargo have applied five, four, and three tackles respectively, but the you know they've also created 21, 26, and 12 pressure acts respectively. Uh, my pressure, I had two pressure highlights. Uh, one was the tackle that Spargo applied on Hooley that started the turn of the tide that got us sort of going uh, in that first, and the second was uh, Nibbler's tackle in the third, I think it was, on Shane Edwards. Uh, it was just a Fantastic tackle. You just love seeing the pressure that these guys apply. And it, and if they aren't going to be hitting the scoreboard or racking up heaps of possessions, um, then you have to be turning up the blowtorch in terms of pressure. And, and we got that from all three this week. Uh, you know, we hunted the Tigers and that pressure forced errors. And you just love to see that. We we Richmond, Richmond, because that's what they're sort of noted to do. And, and then in the end, we did get some scoreboard pressure. Nibbler has two goals. One was an absolute monster from the boundary. Uh, it was a fantastic goal and that goal from Cozzi, which could have been uh, two goals as well.
1: Um, but, yeah. Yeah, that was um, um, like all three players were awesome and I think that a the, the few people on Deanland pointed out that tackle uh, from Hooley was a real game changer uh, in terms of the momentum shift, wasn't it? You know, I, I feel like it wasn't a sort of major momentum shift that just stopped them, um, but it was indicative of, of our pressure that just from that point just went up, you know, just went up minute by minute. We were putting more pressure on them. And they, you know, exactly as you say, they we out tiger the tigers. And I um, sort of made a note when I was watching the replay is that, you know, it was like watching the hunters become the hunted. Um, you know, I know that sounds a bit cliche, yeah, you know, you but
0: it's very apt description because that's, that's what happened.
1: Yeah. And, they, and, and, and it looked as if they just. That's, there was some talk about whether their pressure dropped off, and I, I thought that was as high-pressure a pressure game as I can recall seeing outside of finals that we've played. Just about, um, I don't think their pressure dropped off. And I, I watched the second half today. I hadn't watched. I'd watched the last quarter. I'd watched the other three quarters. I didn't watch the last quarter today. We kept pressuring right to the final siren and we were manic. Um, and Spargo, you know, it's not just the numbers of tackles he gets. it's He tackles and hurts. Like for a little fella, he really puts him in the ground. You know, Viney similarly, obviously, he, he's, he's just fantastic. And, you know, Nibbler doesn't get good numbers, but, um, you know, I just love him and um, he's a player that just works super hard. And, and in some ways I think sort of, again, it goes back to, you know, What's changed? You've got everyone playing their role. He's gone up a level, um, you know, and he's kicking those goals from the boundary line, which is he split the middle too. So, and that that really got us going as well.
0: It certainly did. And, uh, well, my last but certainly not least, uh, Luke Jackson. Uh, Saturday night was perhaps the best game he's played for the club. He showed us a glimpse of what the future of this club's going to look like. Uh you, look every time his his contract comes up he's gonna have Frio West Coast sniffing around we've got to lock this kid in 18 possessions six contested hundred percent disposal efficiency uh five marks eight score involvements 12 hitouts uh five tackles 24 pressure acts from himself um and two goals uh and all that from 86 percent game time lot to love about this kid Duh,
1: that's his... He's one out of the box. Um, I've said it a few times this season. He's, you know, quite rightly all the talks about Coszy and he's special, but you watch um, Jackson's going to be a total star of the game. You know, he's in his, I think, 13th game, 14th game. He's second year AFL footballer. Um, he, You know, the scary thing for Jackson is he's four or five years away from his peak, maybe five years uh, 24 25 for a player of his size um is when he'll come into his own that's sort of the age max he started hitting his straps um by then he'll already have 100 games under his belt um he, he is gonna be like a total star and we talked about it a lot last week but uh the way they use him really frees up Max. And you could just see it was so, you know, Richmond fans were frustrated with the ball zeroing in on Max. They couldn't find a way around it. Um, what was One of the notable things with that setup was how hard that was for them to switch. I reckon they only switched you know, and use the width of the G no more than two or three times and part of that is sort of the system that they've got in place and Max is a big part of that uh, and Jackson's a big part of allowing Max to play that role. Um, I, I thought by far it was his best game, there's no question for that and he was really influential at important times. He took a, in the wet, he took a couple of really strong marks and um, uh, he, he he was a really influential player um, that, uh, you know, I think we there was a sign there. You know, I've seen it before, but like I think he's he's a player who's gonna, you know, be the different. He's a difference maker, um, and you know he'll start kicking goals at some point or other. You know, he, he's going to have a break when he, when he gets his breakout game. It's going to be some sort of breakout game.
0: Yeah, he's starting to sort of clunk the marks as well, um, and even you know it was a wet wet game, so that's even more impressive yeah. uh, for a big guy, big big guy um
1: just on the the wet um i thought it was really interesting that um you'd remember andy i'm, I'm sure you were there at 2017 um with though they, they said in the call that i found this amazing actually that the previous highest score that richmond had come back from um at uh, being down at three quarter time was 20 points in that game in 2017 um against the D's, and that that uh, surprised me that it you know that it's was only three and a bit goals is their biggest comeback. Um, bit of frustrating that was against us. Um,
0: well, we had uh, a lot of, we had, uh, I think, uh, we had a lot of injuries. I think we had only one player on the bench maybe by the last quarter. We had lost our Ruckman in the max that was already injured. Yeah, didn't play.
1: And uh, I think it was Spencer that was injured. Was- and, um,
0: Got injured early in the game and then we lost a few others and, yeah, it was just a- But
1: then the rain came at three qu- – That what changed that game was that the rain came at three-quarter time and they just smashed us after that. Martin smashed us and they were so much better than us in the rain and, and you know, I always completely um, sort of disagree with the notion that um, wet weather brings the bad team or a, a good team and a bad team closer. I think it's, in fact, it's exactly the opposite um, because, you know, the, the rain means your skills are at a higher premium, um, but particularly around pressure. Um, and, um, you know, the rain came in the second quarter and that's when we we um, just totally dominated from that point on. Uh, we kicked seven goals in a row um, against them, which was easy to miss because they weren't like, it wasn't like it might have been in 2018 where you get on a run and it's, you kick four or five really quick goals and everyone's going bananas. It was sort of they couldn't score and we were scoring every three, four minutes or whatever, five, six minutes. Um, and we did that in the rain and the commentators pointed out how well we were handling the ball, um, still handballing it around, still those little flicking handballs. Um, Jackson, I thought, marked terrific in that that stage and that's when we won the game, you know, and it was raining for a fair chunk of that second quarter. I just thought it was really interesting. I heard... Um, uh, Gus talk in the um, press, uh, sorry, in a um, post-match interview uh, on DMIT on MFC site with uh, um, what's his name, Gibbo, and he was saying he mentioned that that point that you know it used to be they were the rain team, but we we thrived in it and we we're really happy to play in it. So I thought that was really interesting. You know that basically we we knocked them out of the park when it came.
0: Love to see it. Um, all right. Well, a- anyone else you want to highlight uh, before we move on?
1: I, do, I mean, I think there's mm-hmm. right across the the board. You have to sort of give kudos to everyone. Um, I thought Melksham showed some pressure. He caused a couple of turnovers. Um, that you know, I think that's what we want to see. With a couple of dump kicks that came back. One we got a goal from. Um, wasn't his best game, but um, I, I thought that um, um, it was good to see that tackling and that pressure. So I'll be really interested to see whether uh, he keeps his spot. Um, I thought Jones had his best game of the season. Um,
0: oh yeah, how could we not talk about Jonesy in his 300th? Yeah, uh... <laughs>
1: so I thought, you know, I, I really, as a flag last week, I really disliked the talk about him being gifted that game. And um, uh, I, ironically... On the back of that talk, I think he had his best game of the season and he had 16 possessions, didn't he? And um, his sort of physical strength was really important late in the game. He was still smashing in. Um, You know, I I thought he was excellent, actually.
0: Well, where do you think his role is if he is going to stay in the team? Um, uh, He played a bit in the middle. Uh, I still think he he might be a bit slow for the middle, Uh, perhaps with the rain, if that's going to um, sort of affect uh, the speed. Maybe you can have him in there, but, uh, yeah, I'd prefer to not, not see him in the middle. Uh, I think that's past him, but um, I don't know. What about what about you?
1: Oh, I think he's, he's the classic utility player, and if you look at the time on ground, as we, we talked about a couple of weeks ago, the, there's a core of players who are playing 60%, 70%, and they come in and do a job, um, and, you know, he's one of them. Uh, he's going to be important, I think, physically. You need those players in the sort of heart of winter and you know it's going to be a long season. It's one of the big talking points that people are now saying. Um, that you know, are the quarters too long? It makes me furious. <laughs> furious, is probably overstating it, but I mean, they've been that length of for 150 years, haven't they? A game of footy, and you have one shorter season last year, and suddenly it's like people are worried about a tsunami of injuries. Um, we're Physically making it through games, um, Touchwood, we've had a good run with injuries, um, but we're clearly standing up. But you need players like Jones to who can physically stand up to 120 minutes of footy. So, I think they'll continue using him the way he is, you know, um, as a role player who come, you know, who plays between the arcs, halfback flank. Some take some center squares. I don't think he will take too many center square bounces, but certainly stoppages, um, tackles. You know, I, I, as I said, I thought you know, he had three tackles. He's often criticized on Demon Land for not tackling enough. Um, three is a pretty solid, um, number. Um, yeah, I thought he, he definitely had his best game, so you couldn't drop him off the back of that because then it would make a lie of, uh, of um, his selection. The other player, I'd probably touch on, um, is hunt and jordan i thought both of them were super important um james jordan just keeps on racking up the numbers and i thought he hit a bit of a flat spot two three weeks back but you know he's such a unobtrusive player um uh and he's you know he's a smart decision maker doesn't waste too many balls and um and the other players hunt he just he's Really got back to that 2018 form, hasn't he? And um, that run was just thrilling. And he—he he was uh, a, a mate of mine was—he uh, was screaming for the ball to get it back, and he, he did eventually get it back. And the one across to Nibbler, um, you know, that's a fair run from deep in their uh, defensive, uh, sorry, their forward fifty to basically the forward pocket. So um, yeah, he was terrific, I thought.
0: Yeah, that runner dash is fantastic. Still a few question marks on the disposal, but um but that pace out of defense to complement Langdon. Um you sometimes see them do a bit of one two type of stuff is just fantastic and you know, teams cut just can't keep up with them. But he was um
1: sixty and- six 66- You know, disposal efficiency, which for him is gold standard. Um, and a couple of weeks ago was 33 before half time or something. Yeah, that's Uh, right. And just on Jordan, he's 83 for um um, disposal efficiency. So, you know, that's good numbers in the wet, isn't it?
0: Mm. You really notice Jordan, especially on the in the replay. And again, like Rivers, you notice some of those first, second, third efforts. Um, that he does so yeah
1: love him the other um, player disposal efficiency is super important is spargo um he's he was 83.3 and it's just so critical not to turn it over he's a he as i've said um he he doesn't try too much he sort of kicks within his stays within his wheelhouse 40 meters and um doesn't waste his uh disposals and and in terms of keeping scoring chains going uh that's really important
0: now, before we go on to, to previewing uh, the next week's game, you you did want to uh, vent your frustration about the lack of tactical analysis um, and other useful analyses uh, from the footy media. So, take it away. <laughs> what uh, what's your
1: beef? Yeah, look, I won't, I won't. I'll indulge me for a minute, and, You know, I'll, I'll promise much, to- <laughs> I won't go on too long. But, um, you know a bit sort of self-conscious around I'm, I'm really interested in the tactics obviously but you know I'm a, a hunt around it feels like I'm a bowel bird looking for stats that I'm trying to contextualize you know and it's because what I'm I'm interested in is how I, I like to watch the game but I just think our football media is just hopeless at sort of supporting that or you know we we like to sort of mod, model our coverage uh, of the game on how the Americans cover their sport but I coach a bit of basketball. My son plays basketball and, um, and you know, up until this year I've been pretty interested in basketball. You get more out of an NBA game in terms of knowledge of the game and the tactics and understanding it than you do in pretty much a whole season of On the Couch or all those sorts of shows. Um, and part of that's the media. It's just the, you know, part, two issues for me. Part of it's the way it's covered and it's full of ex-footballers. Is, you know, they're out of the game for two years and their knowledge is hopeless because they don't, keep up with the research it's so evident um and the other part is how the stats are all locked up like the monopoly on stats just drives me insane in the states there's a, you know a million um companies doing stats but here for footy um, I, I, i'm i'd stand to be corrected but um the key one is champion data and i think afl have got a stake in champion data um, and they you know they lock up so much of the information um and then sort of gets out to the footy public in dribs and drabs and a little bit here and a little bit there never with a context never with sort of any analysis about what it means um and then um you know you hear in the post-match presser so a positive is there's is starting to be some good discussion you had leper on um the clip last week and i listened to him this week and he was excellent so you know, that's great. You can listen to the podcast. And Bartel had some really interesting things to say. Um, and uh, what's the ex and Kilda player's name? Is that Montagna? He had yeah. some interesting things to say about, for instance, the handballing. Um, but you've got to hunt around for that stuff. But the mainstream on the coverage, the, the coverage of the game where most people are watching it, it is so ridiculously shallow. Um, and in the press, uh, I thought a positive was that, young fellow that I mentioned, also asked the question about forward half pressure. I'd never even heard this stat. There's two stats about pressure, is pre-contest pre, pre um, uh, contest and post-contest, uh, and he asked that question of both Goodwin and um, uh, uh, Hardwick. Goodwin gave, the uh, you know, basically straight bat, no information back and I don't know why they don't because all the coaches know the other teams inside out they don't need to hide that information from the public but that's the the culture. Um, But uh, interestingly, Hardwick said where our most important stat is um, um, post-pressure. And I listened to Lepage this morning and he said that that's the key stat in football as a predictor of a a premiership, um, which is post, he said it was something different, so I'm not sure which stat's correct, Um, um, post-clearance possessions, or sorry, differential, post-clearance contested differentials. Um, I've never heard of these stats and apparently they're critical about premiership success. It's just ridiculous. Uh, he noted that Melbourne are super high and he was talking about them in the context that a positive for Collingwood is that they're, they're eighth in the league at the moment. We're second or something or first uh, and Tigers are third in that stat. Uh, and he says for him... You know, and at Lions way back then, it was the stat that was the most important thing they were focused on. You know, why don't we know that? It's just, it's just so frustrating, um, and it would change the way people view the game. Uh, I think um, so. Yeah, that's my that's my beef. Sounds
0: like there's an opportunity for you to get involved and uh, start something up. <laughs> well,
1: uh, well, I just think that it's. I mean, yeah, but that you know. Sure, there's bunches of people interested in it. Not everyone is, but it's really about, you know, I think that you've, it's about educating the fans and getting them sort of involved in that. Not everyone is, but in the States, fans know everything about Gridiron, everything about NFL, everything about NBA, that, you know, because they've got access to it and it's discussed in a way that's educational and, you know, helps people understand why things happen.
0: It's possible that uh, because some of those games are so boring that uh, we need to pad it with uh, some more statistical analysis, uh, perhaps our game's more exciting. Uh, we've got uh, a call on the line, I think. Uh, good evening. Yes. You're on the air.
2: Hi, um, Andy and George. I apologise interrupting.
0: Sorry, go, go ahead. You are just breaking up for one sec. I so, uh...
2: apologise for the-
0: I'm so terrible uh you absolutely your your the connection's breaking up. do you wanna wanna try and give us a call back in in a minute and I'll, I'll pick up your call yes. uh, because it, it's breaking up. not sure if it's your end or my end uh, so give us a call back <whistles> Sorry about sorry about that uh man. but that was uh, breaking up. not sure if that's on my end maybe I'll uh, whack it off my Wi-Fi here. And uh, when they call back, we'll uh, we'll take it. Um, but yeah, that's uh, statistical analysis. Uh, yeah, that's uh, interesting. Uh, might, look, perhaps it's just um, perhaps it's it's a matter of uh, education of. of of the public and um you know giving out these statistics and you know once we're educated about it uh perhaps we can
1: well it's that's a one thing but it's also the analysis and then on that i watched the um show that i hadn't watched it before but um the one with lee montagna i think it's called last crack on on fox on the sunday night and King was talking about the number of uh, handballs. Montana had just talked about it being it was a tactical thing that the D's did to, as I said, to stop the... Um, um, to nullify how Richmond liked to play and to force the defenders up at the contest. Um, And, you know, that, that that was a really clever tactical move by Melbourne um, and that they would have been coached to, um, you know, to do that, to make sure that, you know, to handball don't just, Dump kick it basically. Don't dump kick it forward because that's just playing into Richmond's hands. That's what they want you to do under pressure. Dump kick it forward. So instead of doing that handball, hence why we had like forty or fifty more handballs than we normally would. And I think the differential, the uncontested um, possession differential, was way up there. Um, and what's his uh, king was. Argued that that was a fundamental change to our game plan, and that would fail in the under um, finals pressure, and that you shouldn't be mucking around with your game plan, and it was just incorrect. It, we weren't; it wasn't a change to our game plan. It was a clever adaptation to our game plan to to negate the sort of strength of our opposition, um, and that's exactly what Montaigne came back and said. He said, "Well, no, it was just a subtle change to the game plan. It wasn't a fundamental change." So, for me, someone like King, who's so you know, apparently, an anal, you know, analyst giving wrong sort of information. I think that's where you get sort of that's that's part of the problem.
0: Our caller is back. Um, Trying uh, again. Uh, yeah, can you hear me now. Uh, can you... uh, yeah, can you hear you. That sounds a little bit better. So go for it. Uh, who am I talking to? Yes.
2: it it was my fault because i had the web on as well as um, skype so forgive me okay so i'm ringing from belgium and so i obviously didn't get to go to the game on saturday night so there's two things i wanted to ask you guys um having been at the game one i had heard that uh with the fracas with cosi um towards the end and um, I don't think you've talked about it yet, but with the fracas um, towards the end, understand that Richmond had been really niggling him all day, which, you know, when you're just watching on the TV, you don't see any of that. I just wondered if either of you had observed that um, kind of um, beating up on him during the day. Um, and, and that's basically where it got to and i have a second question
0: after you answer that one if yeah. i may yeah sure I, the one thing i did notice when i was watching the replay i think i saw it at the time um, he did get hit in the nuts at one stage perhaps it was in the yeah. first quarter um, he he i think he'd taken the mark and he was having a kick from sort of on the right on the boundary on 50 b man did you notice that um, and or anything else in regards to them scraggling
1: i, I noticed cop- that incident because it was almost directly be- below where i was sitting um He absolutely was scragged on that match and um, that incident, I I was actually really, again, King criticised him for reacting like that and he pointed up at the scoreboard which, um, you know, he... King was criticising. Um, he's a young fella. Um, I, I thought, that, so the answer is yes, they were into him all game. Um, but to be honest, Richmond were into our players all game and they lost their discipline. That was a key factor in the game, I reckon. They they lost their discipline were really um did some stupid things gave away um 50 um and the other really frustrating thing was the way Lynch plays um and rewold as well with a swinging um whenever Max is sort of in the hole it's just it's just not on um so i i loved his energy and i, I really dislike the criticism that he caught for it is he you know he's a kid he's 18 years old isn't he um and you know he'll he'll get a lot of that treatment but yeah, oh, absolutely look after him I think
0: yeah I think he's going to get a lot of that treatment they're going to try and put off him off his game they know that he's got a bit of a hot head and he might sort of uh, react and, and obviously get some free kicks against him but, uh,
1: but and they played a hard tag on him I think it was I forget his name is Ruslan or something it yeah.
0: um, started
1: with it yeah um, who's a young player for Richmond who's I don't think he's played more than a handful of games and he was clearly tasked with putting Cozzy off his game and, and he didn't have a huge game I didn't think, but it was uh, terrific that he kicked that goal, wasn't it? That he split the centre with it. Um, And I, you know, I'm not one for for getting fired up, but I love the fact that he went back to him after he kicked the goal.
0: Yeah, it was good. Um, What's your other question?
2: The second one was um, I don't know whether on um, the Demon website whether you guys um, had a look at the um, the Nathan Jones. uh, recognition, if you like. Uh, it started with his children, um, but it, it quickly went to on the couch. And so they had done a special like five-minute version of On the Couch uh, to just uh, laud his achievements and so on. And I must say, you were talking about commentators before and thinking about sportsmanship. I was really disappointed with Nick Riewoldt. I mean, he was on the couch. He didn't say anything positive about Nathan Jones at all. And the only thing he said was, um, when I think Jared Healy said, "Oh, you know the best best watched hats or best known hats," and all that, the Greewalt said was, "Well, yeah, but you know Dusty is closing on in on him." So, I mean, that lack of sportsmanship, I was really disappointed. I wondered if you guys had seen it and whether you have any reaction or not. I,
0: I didn't notice it, but uh, now that you you say that he didn't uh, mention him, it is disappointing. He's a contemporary of Jones's. He played a good chunk of his career at the same time. Uh, yeah, it is. Uh, it is disappointing, big B- man.
1: Um, I didn't see that, but uh, um, is that calling from um, Belgium? Yes. Yeah. Have you had uh, to get the Herald Sun in in Belgium? Uh, my sister has to send it from Melbourne. <laughs> they, <laughs> she said I mean, every day. I mean, they <laughs> in no, their no. their so called salute to Jonesy. They called him a perennial loser. Yes. Like,
0: yeah, I, I, mean, I made mention of that on Demon Land during the week. I was very, very disappointed in, in that, I mean, that's uh, just,
1: that title. And and raising the point about in the same article or the back of that comment was that, you know, his win-loss ratio, which for me is, you know, that should be lauded, not the fact that he was at a losing club but that he's played 300 games at a losing club and not left. So a perennial loser, it's like that would be, you know, Robbie Flower would have a record worse than Jones. Would you call him a perennial loser? A, a total disrespect. So
0: it is, is total disrespect. And the, the guy held, you know, held up the team on his shoulders for so many years, and he had all those achievements within the club, winning the three Blueys in a row. Um, yeah, it's a total disrespect to to label him that way.
1: Get, can I? So what was no, that respect a couple of weeks ago?
2: Sorry, I was just going to say, and I'll let you go. Max talked about respect, gaining respect a couple of weeks ago, and I think they're well on the way.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think that's a, I think that's been a driving thing for them—that respect, and also that, you know, that notion: can people trust them? I think that's because uh, that's again that sort of question, Andy, at the beginning about well, what are the key words that have been said? and Trust is keeps coming up, and even we've asked, can we trust them? And you know, um, and I think they're wanting to answer that for the fans and. Um, so I didn't catch it. What was what was your name? My name is Terence. Terence. Where did you watch the game? Did you? I presume you watched it.
2: Yeah, yeah. I, I, I have um, I have an armchair membership through Melbourne, so it's on the Fox Work. So I watched it at home by myself. But um, I, I didn't sit down all day, you know, for the whole game, right. <laughs> despite having the all so pacing up and down, but I mean it was a terrific win um, as the whole you know six weeks have been. I, I am a little nervous about North Melbourne. You're going to get on to the game and, oh, yeah. and uh, say <laughs> I'll let you go. So I'm a little bit nervous about that. I'll be really interested um, in hearing what your comments are. But give me a second to just get back into the website again
1: before you get too deep. Oh into I, just, it. Could I ask one last question? That I, COVID notwithstanding, um, as he left, we lost him. No, he's yeah, you, absolutely. If we make the grand final, will you come back to Melbourne?
2: <laughs> well, uh, there's a very, very good chance. I mean, this isn't the driving things, but it's my seventieth birthday next month, um, actually, just around the Carlton game, and uh, my daughter is buying me a flight back to Melbourne. So uh, so if we get to the grand final, if I can get a ticket, then you know, certainly I'll be there. Um, so, awesome. and. Like, like a lot of other people and by the way just to finish off um, it was terrific to see Barassi um, in the last couple of uh, last few minutes um, of the, the uh the televising of the game I mean he looks terrific
1: um, I'm really really hoping for him yeah and I, I speaking of disrespect well, I, I don't know if it's disrespect but the there wasn't much focus on Barassi. Barassi's got an incredible history around um the war and you know his relationship uh with Melbourne and Norm Smith and losing his father I think in the war wasn't it um and Norm Smith basically becoming his father so that wasn't discussed at all in the in the coverage that I picked up and um you know Melbourne's got an incredible history in terms of of um key people who have served or been impacted by war so um, yeah, I, I agree. It was great to see the footage of him, and he looks pretty well. I know he's had some health struggles, and um, but yeah, he um, he keeps going to the games. He goes to most games, I think. Yeah. Well,
0: well thank you very well. Thank you very
2: much. Thank you very much, Ben. Man. I appreciate the time. Okay.
0: Thank you very much for the call. We do appreciate it. Uh, thank you.
1: Okay. There we go. Andy, our first cool? international caller.
0: I don't think so. I think one of one of our uh, one of our regulars at Demonland, um, I think, lives in Japan, oh, yeah. um, and he give us a call once uh, with grapeviney early on in our in our tenure. Uh, I believe he was in Japan, but uh, anyway, no. That's uh, we love calls and we love international calls. And when I did see the uh, when I did see the area code when I took the call, I was a bit worried that we had a well, you know every now and again I get a, a spam call through there. and I thought we'd be talking to a telemarketer for a minute, and I almost wasn't going to take the call because of it. But I thought you know this could
1: be fun. Uh, <laughs> you
0: could ask uh, the telemarketer about the Ds.
1: Speaking um, of um, disrespect, there's no joke. Um, headline in the Herald Sun, who seemed to really think that was funny. But uh, there was. A, well, that,
0: that, that was the same article where they labeled Jim a perennial course, loser. You know, they
1: doubled down there. There was a, quite a funny riposte that in the Demon Landers that, you know, of course we're not. There's no one, we don't go domestic. We're, you know, we, <laughs> we don't ski at this time of year. We ski <laughs> in, you know, we ski in Japan and Aspen and um, February.
0: I've never actually been to the snow, so. But I, I did say that I did once own a Range Rover, but not not because of any Melbourne stereotype. It just happened to be the car that I was driving at the time. Um, okay, let's um, let's move on to. Um, so maybe some changes, but uh, just quickly, we, we, the Casey game, uh, the main takeaway from the Casey match is that Ben Brown has kicked four goals, two, and Sam Wiedemann, three goals, one in Casey's 59-point win over the, oh, I guess they're the reigning premiers in Richmond, at least the last time there was a VFL competition. Uh, Majak Dawes had 32 hit-outs, seven marks, uh, Jake Bowie, 26 disposals, Baker, 24 disposals, and th- those three were named amongst the best. Uh, as well as Ben Brown. Um, So changes, do we make any changes to a winning lineup? I don't know if you, can we be arrogant? Can we manage players? I don't even know if it's arrogant to manage players because clubs are doing it. Um, Do we bring in another tall forward to see how the dynamic works? Uh, Or is there anyone else at Casey you want to have a look at? um, You know, we've had a few guys sort of play the sub role and not get much of a go. where are you at, in terms of changes?
1: Uh, just before I go to changes, just to, on the Casey game, I happened to wa- I watched a, about 15 minutes all up. So I watched about sort of five or six minutes of the third quarter, about five or six minutes of the last quarter. It was hammering at one point. Um, but I just want to bow. He did, I, I think he got 17, 18 possessions, but he did a fantastic bit of play on the halfback flank.
0: And uh, he's got 26 disposals. I'm
1: underselling yeah. the, the kid. Um, yeah. He did a bit of play that just spoke to me about why they got him. Um, it was on the halfback flank. Uh, it was wet. He. It was one of those situations that I talked about um, with Cozzy not going to a contest, allowing Gorn to go to it. So there was a, a one-on-one contest. He could have gone and made it a two-on-one contest. Uh, instead, he elected to stand off the contest. He allowed the um, his teammate to... Um, to have the one-on-one who won the contest was able to give it to him and then he turned um and just laced out a 25 you know, meter kick so you know nothing brilliant except the fact he nailed the kick into the corridor it went up the other end of the ground that the opposition didn't touch it we had a shot on goal which we should have kicked from about 40 meters out but they kicked a point but i thought in that you know that bit of play is exactly why we've got him, um, and he'll he will, he will be probably in before the end of the season. But that's the role that um, Salem's currently got. Um, that sort of half. You know, the quarterback role that um, people talk about, but it was just such a classy bit of play. One, the decision not to go to the contest, and then two, to hit that target um, and never missed, um, look like missing. So, yeah, he's, I think he's going to um, be a really terrific player for the D. So, uh, yeah, just, um, and on changes, I think it's, um, there's a sort of interesting discussion on Demon landing in that changes thread. And there's two schools of thought, it seems, that, you know, now's the time to, um, bring in some players, maybe someone like a Bowie, for instance. Um, definitely, lots of talk about bringing um, Weed in, or you know Brown probably even more so. Um, I guess my perspective would be it's a really long season. We're only at game six. As I mentioned before, injuries are taking a big toll on teams. We've, we've done well so far. Um, you know, man, injury management is going to be critical. Um, going forward they're less likely their um, players less likely to get uh, injured at casey it's still possible of course but it's not as intense they can rest them if um, if need be you know put reduced minutes on them you know I, I could see them bringing browning but personally i would hope that they don't make any more than one or two changes because for me now's not the time to flirt with form it's not you know we're not in a position to suddenly you know um overestimate where we're at um, we should beat North Melbourne, but you know, if we look at the Swans, are, um, you know, we're unbeaten after four rounds. They're in the top eight. Carlton are competitive. They easily could have beaten if it wasn't for a shocking second quarter. They could have beaten the Lions. They'll win their fair share of games, um, and even Adelaide in Adelaide's not going to be any walk in the park. And if we approach it, I think you send a funny message to both the opposition and your teammates, if you, you think you're in a position where you can experiment or move players around or rest players, sure, give some players like a Jordan who might need a chop out, a bit of a break. But I, personally, I would hope that they just focus on winning these next four games, play the best team, whatever that looks like. If, it Brown, if Brown is in that, sure, bring him in. Um, but play the very best team that they can get those four because if we get to 10-zip, um, at um, at, uh, at that point of the season we're a lock for um, top four that's got to be the focus for me we're not um, good enough or you know we're not far enough down the track to be mucking around the previous uh, the dogs brought in four or five um, I think four unforced changes and you could see how messy that game was and part of that was the way Giants played but um, part of it was also that, you know, you make that many changes and your system is a bit harder to do. So personally, I would hope that they make few changes, maybe Brown, um, but only if they think Brown is, you know, that will help us win basically.
0: I asked you before uh, we started, we were just talking about the possibility of the game being... Relocated. We're not sure. I think a decision is going to be made tomorrow in terms of uh, whether Tasmania, and it's, I think, wholly on the Tasmanian governments uh, at, the, at their whim at the moment, uh, that the game uh, possibly could be relocated uh, back to Melbourne. Um, same time, except at uh, Marvel Stadium, uh, North Melbourne's same game, home ground is available on Sunday afternoon at one o'clock. So it's likely that's where a game will be played. Um, So does any changes that we make be affected by, I guess, where we play? Uh, You got either the, the, the wind, the windswept grounds of Tasmania. Uh, It's not the same ground where we had that, uh, that, that big win that, that year. um, I don't think, Uh, but um, you know, outside, Open to the elements. I'm not sure someone did say it was going to be quite nice anyway on Sunday, but if we do play under the dome, um, does that sort of affect uh, who we'd pick?
1: No, I don't, I don't think so. I mean, I think that's the again. It goes back to you know, at the risk of the cliche again, the system, the system ad- adapts to to wherever uh, we play. I think it's it's particularly well. Suited for the MCG and the spaces of the MCG, so I don't know the dimensions of that ground. That would be more my um, sort of thinking, but I, I wouldn't have thought it would make much difference um, to you know who they're picking. I mean, it didn't for this, for instance, this week, did it? I mean, maybe that was a factor in not bringing in Weedman or Brown this week with the predicted rain. I thought it was a really excellent um, decision. I think it was more to do with going back to the um, lineup that had won us. You know the first four games. Um, I think that was an indication of of how highly they rate Frida bringing him back in with a broken hand, and um, you know goes without saying, Maze importance doesn't it? So no, I don't think that will make any difference to their team they select.
0: Just looking up the dimensions of Bell Reeve, uh, which is Blundstone Arena, and of course this article. Oh yes, uh, one seventy five long uh 135 wide i don't know if that is football ground dimensions in terms of um the actual playing surface or the actual ground size in total the mcg is 171 so that i said bill reeve was 175 so it's longer uh but the mcg is 146 wide and that is 135 wide so a lot Mm. uh, narrower
1: yeah than the g so yeah i I don't think it'll make any difference i I mean, I hope for Tassie fans and for, um, you know, people on the Demon Lane board like Nasha and others who are going down there that it's played in Tassie, to be honest. You know, as much as I'd like yeah, another game in Melbourne, I think that, um, you know, that would be a shame for all the Tassie fans to miss out, wouldn't
0: it? Yeah, Nasha is just uh, hanging. Uh, he just can't wait uh, to get to the footy, see it live. So, yeah, I do feel for the... The uh, the demon landers and other demon supporters who who don't often get to see us probably once once a year uh, if they're like, well it has been once a year the last
1: few years because we always seem to get you didn't say on that sympathetic when you posted that you know, oh, bad luck that well, I'll be get to go
0: <laughs> at the moment I'm just being extremely selfish uh, I I, did, I missed out on footing on last year and uh, I just want to soak it up every every minute of it that I can. Um, but no, I'd I would like the um the Tasmanians to to get to see us play. Um but yeah, anything in terms of um you know, is this a danger game for us? Uh, my MFC SS, you know, senses and uh, my negativity, it's tingling badly. You know, losing to the winless bottom of the ladder team when we're undefeated at six and zero is is the most Melbourne thing that can happen. And you know, I will concede that that's the old Melbourne, and perhaps we're a new Melbourne. Um, you know, what insights can you give on our opposition? Have you seen much of North this year? I mean, they haven't been impressive, but uh, what have you seen from them?
1: Can not they- a hell of a lot. I've seen bits and pieces. Um, there's no way we'll lose this game. But I looked at the odds, and i I reckon this would be the longest um the longest odds an opposition team has ever had against us they're $15 to win this game we're dollar $1.02 so basically you can't get a bet on like, 15 bucks that's like in a two horse race you know? yeah i know
0: you like it. i know you like your betting would you put money on um on, on north or is uh, that just drawing money?
1: You know, you, you might want it because then you've got some insurance on your MFS so, you, so I can't get my my acronym right. But um, no, we won't lose it. I mean, but I think the the critical thing is that it's sort of it's a bit of the attitude. That's why I don't want to see many changes made. Um, we're not, you know, 6-zip, that's great. Um, but I heard a stat, speaking of stats during the week that um you know, 2017, 2018, I think 2019, there's a history of teams starting with 5 zip or whatever uh, and not get, getting past the prelim. Um, so, you know, it, I, I think we need to take every team seriously, but the Kangaroos are in a bit of a mess there. Um, you know, they've really gone back right to, to ground zero and rebuilding from scratch. So I, I think, I said this again in the Hawthorne game, we're now got a way of playing that um, basically, as long as we're not completely, you know, off like say West Coast were against Geelong, I just can't see that happening. Our our defensive system means that teams are just going to struggle to score goals against us, even when we're not playing our best, like the Hawks did. Um, and that if we keep our even sort of baseline pressure up, we'll, we'll crack most teams. Um, I am concerned about um, the Carlton game. Um, I mean, and I'm getting ahead, but, you know, Sydney too, they could elect to sort of play really aggressive. I, they'll, they'll struggle to score against us, but I think Carlton are a lot better team than um, than what they're showing at the moment uh, and they've shown in patches um, that they're sort of top eight competitive. Um, and if we're off against a team like them and they're 100% on, then they'll beat us. And that, that goes for probably every club in the in the league, but with the exception of Kangaroos. I mean, I think... I said this last week. We've had some luck this season. Um, It continued on the weekend with um, uh, Martin getting injured, so not being able to influence the game after three quarter time, Um, and apparently um, has sort of been carrying a bit of an ankle injury. Um, But I think it's fantastic playing Kangaroos in next week because even if we come down a little, you know, a notch, we're still likely to beat them. Whereas the Tigers come up against the Dogs next week. Um, So, you know, and the Tigers came off smashing St Kilda. So I I thought at the time an 84-point win isn't really great preparation for a high-pressure game that they had against us. So, you know, um, some things have gone pretty well for us. They also had – I think it was really critical for them to having Vlosten out. He really – um, without Vlosten and having that intercept marker, they they look decidedly sort of shaky down back and um, a strong defensive back half that intercepts and rebounds is their one would really or you know it's really a big part of their game plan. And I thought without Vloston anchoring them down there, Grimes couldn't really play that sort of Tomlinson role. He had he had to be more, um, you know he he played a more important role than he otherwise would if lost and was in the team. And I think they struggled um, with our bigs. So, um, yeah, I can't see us beating, um, being beaten by the Kangaroos.
0: Well, just as you mentioned all those things going wrong for Richmond, I'm shedding a tear for them. <laughs> uh, they can cry into those three premiership cards. Yeah. <laughs> I'll take them in a second. Um, uh, there was something else I did want to talk about but now it's uh gone
1: out of my head Uh, while you're uh, trying to recall that um artificial wisdom notes that um it's also he's preaching preaching the choir i'm preaching to the choir around my complaints about champion data uh, and that he's spoken to someone uh, there about it about the locking up the data presumably, um, and that they claim they can't justify the cost if they release everything to the public, which completely that just makes my head explode even you know more so because, I mean, again, the AFL should be investing in that. This goes to the clubs. The clubs get all of this information and then you hear about, for instance, the importance of forward half pressure. Well, I'm a paying member, you know. How about give that information to me as part of my membership packet?
0: You know, it, or, or why not charge a subscription to, for people to access what co- it?
1: I mean, what cost? It's the, I, the clubs pay champion data and all the clubs get all of the data about the other teams. That's what frustrates me. They all get it. So this whole sort of charade about not releasing information, which is part of footy culture, is, is ridiculous because the clubs know who's injured at another club. The club know, you know, they, Melbourne knows every bit of data point about Richmond. Hence the sort of, you know, there's strategies around, for instance, not dump kicking. I mean, that's pretty obvious. But, um, you know, there's any num- other number of, of bits of information, any you know huge amount of information that each club has about other club, including their own scouts and their own data um, analysts. And, um, you know, just get it out to the public, if, you know, and get sort of discussion happening about it
0: just even the AFL's uh, stats site, like you can look up a a player and get all the stats, but it's sort of – it's how you access the data. You can't just access not even raw data, but just all you can do is put in a player's name. You can compare two players, but if you want sort of a list of the top six whatever of those stats, whether it's – Top six or top ten defensive pressure—you can't find that information.
1: No, and, and also the and problem standard is, ones
0: like top possession, top this, top handballs, yeah. top thing. But those stats further down the, the the list, you can't sort of get lists of that.
1: But again, they're just lists. That's just raw data. I mean, you've got to know, and I don't. That's the problem. And I want to know, uh, and others do as well. Well, what does it mean? What does it mean in context? Like, what does it? You know, what's the pressure meter? What's 200 mean? <laughs> what makes up 200? They talk about it and don't explain it. It it's just makes no no sense at all um, and leads to people not really understanding the game that we invest so much time and money as well in, you
0: know. Speaking about money, and I've just remembered what I wanted to ask you was um, Sportsbet have paid out uh, the Demon's Premier, winning the Premiership so in my book we've won it cancel the season that's it give us the cup uh that's it did you have money on the d's uh <laughs> winning the premiership this year with sports <laughs>
1: no but instantly was frustrated that I didn't about they would have had to pay out about 300 bucks probably that was that's well, just well, a, you know, it's just they're having a laugh with that that's just free ads you know
0: yeah well that's that's what my mate said my mate sent me his um his ticket that he won uh just trying to pull it up yeah uh so he's put on at when the d's were at twenty one to one he he put this on after the richmond uh the practice match that we beat them he said he just did it as a laugh he put twenty five dollars at twenty one dollars and he's won um it's been paid out five hundred and twenty five dollars um for that um you know and he reckons it's you know obviously it's just them um you know, it's part of their, you know, uh, adver- marketing.
1: I'll put your London into a brick. If someone had put a grand on them, they weren't going to pay it out. So, mm. Yeah, sports better. Yeah, speaking of monopolies, um, yeah, a good bit of advertising for them. Um, it's interesting that, like speaking of betting, is um, Luke Jackson I reckon is a good shot for, I don't know what odds he currently is, but um, for uh, winning the, um, the rising Star with Rao being out injured. So, you know... Well, oh, he has to get nominated first. Yeah, that's true. But he, yeah, and this week the two, the Crows player and or whatever his name is for the Hawks, both kick five goals. So one of them will get nominated, but, um, and you know, but surely he'll get nominated at some point.
0: Um, is he eligible? He played games last year and I know they can in their second year. It all d- it depends on how many games they've played. Yeah, maybe it wouldn't
1: uh, be such a good idea if he's not eligible.
0: So. A player is nominated for the award. Uh, to be eligible for nomination, the player must be age 20 or under, which he is, I believe, uh, on the 1st of January that year, and have played 10 or fewer AFL games as of the start of the season. So how many games has he played last year is the question. Um, that's where I'm going to go to AFL tables. Uh, uh, all right bear with me here this is I could have uh, just
1: looked up the sports but while you're doing that the, the, yeah. the just another thing that sort of caught my attention was uh, I'm not sure about you Andy it seems to me that the impact of the man on the mark rule has not been massive with opposition teams with us and I was looking at um some of the vision Um, today is trying to work out why but uh, we position a player often in the corridor who stands off the mark Um, and there are a couple of examples of it this round where they turn they can't go we put them towards the boundary Uh, it's been advantageous to us for players like um, uh, Hunt who can take a few steps without that pressure and Salem in particular because those couple of steps that's all he needs to have no pressure on him. And it just really makes his kicks more damaging, I think. So we've had some real advantages of it, But I think we've done a great job of um, basically making sure that other teams can't take advantage of it um, through clever positioning of a player off that. It basically, is sort of a second player on the mark about sort of 10 metres inboard, always on the corridor side of, of the mark, um, forcing them the other way or over the top of the mark. And um, it, teams seem to have not been able to open us up and, again, we've got such good setup ahead of the ball that even if they do go fast, we've got, you know, all of our players set up, they're just kicking to us and they're bouncing it straight back. So, um, you know, again, I think kudos for Goodwin and and, um, and I guess Uze as well and Williams and whoever else is is um, sort of involved in that. Chaplin, I think, is our defensive coach. Is that right? Yes. So he might play a role in that. Um, just sort of clever bits of of thinking that um you know I, I guess they all add up don't they do that question that we asked at the top of the show about you know what's changed and there's a you know probably this, the answers lots of things have changed maybe some bigger than others but when they all add up um you, you know you, you get to the next next level
0: um luke jackson played six games last year he's played six this year so he is well and truly really eligible according to those um those uh numbers um hey man thank you very much um once again
1: thanks Andy. and i me. promise i won't vent again that's my last venting about stats and analysis and
0: i'm sure there'll be plenty of things to vent about this year um uh, we can dare to dream um and uh, always we're going to take one one week at a time but i was thinking about that uh if we win four game, the next four games and with 10 and zip come up against the Bulldogs. How great would it be if they were 10 and zip?
1: Yeah. If we're 10 and, 10 and zip at that stage, we've got then 12 more games for the season. I reckon 15, if we're 10 zip, our percentage will be 170 or something, which is incredible. It's 150.7 at the moment, isn't it? So if we win the next four games, it'll be up around 160, 165 perhaps um, with 10 with 10 wins on the board. 12 games to go after that for us Um, you know 15 games with our percentage will get us top four so that means we'd only need to win five of the um, 12 uh, and um, we're top four so that's why I think it's so important to get these next wins like and also psychologically to have 10 wins on the board in a row you know one it's you know very rarely happens so statistically it's incredibly rare but you know I think that for the team, for the club, for the fans. That's something that um, would be great for the the whole, you know, for the Melbourne Football Club. Um, Plus, of course, it would set us up to be top four and you can't win a flag from outside top four, you know, the the Bulldogs in 2016 notwithstanding.
0: Just ask the Bulldogs. But, yeah, I was daring to dream and thinking, well, beat Bulldogs and that's 11 and zip and – well, oh, could we go the whole season, have 22 and zip, and then two finals gets us 24 and zip into a grand final. And then, then I had that nightmare of losing, you know, winning all those games and then losing the grand final. What? and That dream turned into a nightmare very
1: quickly. I think you need help with that stuff. That's. (laughs)
0: I'd I'd rather lose to North Melbourne this week and (laughs) get it over and done with than go all the way and lose it. Uh, Too much pressure.
1: But then I think, though, again, the importance of winning ten. Like injuries will happen, and so when they do, you know, um, who knows what that means for where we're at. You know, three, four key injuries. Suddenly things look a bit different. Um, and so, yeah, you, you know, you make hay while the sun shines.
0: Absolutely. And uh, no one can accuse us now of not having beaten anyone. So, um,
1: they all haven't beaten got- anyone above us, though, Andy.
0: No, we haven't. No, we haven't. Neither of the Bulldogs. No, um, but um, it, uh, now we have beaten three teams, I believe, in the. Um, that are in the current top
1: eight, and we've um, just beaten. We've beaten both um, teams that played off for last year's premiership. So
0: exactly, things are looking up. All right, <laughs> let's hope we're smiling next week because it could be a disaster um, with a loss. But uh, I'll um, uh, hopefully have your confidence going into this game. Uh, but I am a little worried. Put
1: some money on the dogs. That will be great insurance. And on the dogs or on, on oh, sorry the, on the um what am i saying the dogs the, the ruse i can't even be, i can't even bring myself to say it and then then you then you've got yourself covered uh
0: i don't think any amount of money will cover the shame of losing and then having to front up on this podcast next week so um i don't know but sure I, there is the only other tolerant. thing i'll
1: say about that game is we don't need to smash them we don't need to do that like that's not And it's not really our go anyway, but our percentage is impressive at this point. But, you know, I think that our game plan isn't really about sort of being out like it was more in 2018, being able to get a burst of four or five goals and it was super exciting to watch, but they were also equally kicking goals on us, the opposition often in in, um, four or five goal bursts. That's not happening anymore there we're not scoring quickly, oppositions are not scoring at all. Um, and so that sort of combination means that you get sort of low scores against us and our our goals are sort of intermittent through the match rather than in burst. Um, but, you know, at some point if we keep this pressure up, we'll open a team up and and really give them a hammering.
0: Um, I would like to hammer a team. <laughs> <laughs> Just my personal, I'd like a game where I'm not sitting on the edge of my seat, biting my nails and, I just want to beat a team comfortably and enjoy it, soak it up. But, yes, it's not important. We want to bank the four points, but uh, it'd be nice to just enjoy the game. <laughs> well, all right. Thanks, B man. Uh, we'll be back uh, next week. Um, I'll be doing the show from Canberra. Um, so uh, I'll be wearing a jacket and being nice and cosy. I
1: thought for uh, sure you were going to say from the snow. but
0: No, I'm not going to the snow. i <laughs> up in Canberra for the week. But back for the Swans game, um, which I'm looking forward to yeah. on the Friday. Night. All right. Uh, thank you for joining us. And um, yeah, we'll see you next week. Go, Demon. Go, Red Legs.